It's time for Promo Corner's Industry Insider with Jeff Franklin, Stephen McFadden, Meg Erber, and Bill Petrie. Each Monday, they discuss, dissect, and debate a single issue impacting the world of promotional marketing from every industry perspective. The Industry Insider is only available at Promo Corner, the leader in digital marketing for the promotional products industry. Now, here's Jeff, Stephen, Meg, and Bill. And welcome to yet another episode of the Industry Insider Podcast. I am your host, Bill Petrie, and we've got three co-hosts with me, and we'll get to those folks in a second. But first, I want to thank our sponsor, Gold Star, for sponsoring this platinum-level broadcast. As you well know, Gold Star is so well-known in the promotional products industry. It's a fantastic, fun company that produces quality writing instruments. In fact, they are the clear leader in the category. But you know what? A lot of people say they're the leader because in their minds, it's just a marketing term and it's one they don't have to define. Well, I'd like to take this opportunity to go ahead and explain why Gold Star is truly the leader when it comes to promotional writing instruments. And today I want to talk about choice. They have over 300 different writing instruments. So there's truly something different for every client in every budget. And they have those in stock ready to roll. So that is just one of the many reasons we'll be talking about over the next few podcasts of why Gold Star is truly the leader when it comes to promotional writing instruments. If you'd like to learn more and get some great ideas on how pens can be more than just a promotional writing instrument, Sign up for your free brand story toolkit by visiting them at goldstarpens.com slash toolkit. As always, you won't be sorry you did. I want to remind everybody that this podcast is not only available on SoundCloud, but it's also available wherever you listen to podcasts. That could be Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify. Just search Promo Corner and hit that subscribe button. I mentioned I have three other co-hosts with me uh, today. I'm not going to go ahead and read them off like I normally do because I keep forgetting we have that dulcet, golden-throated voice at the beginning doing that. So Jeff Franklin, Stephen McFadden, and Meg Erber all here with me today. What the up? Top, well, hello. Say <laughs> hey. hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. Hello. All right. All right. So today we're going to talk about something that probably confuses everybody, that uh, kind of sends everybody into some sort of deep hypnosis, Nexus and online sales. So this is a topic that Stephen McFadden, who represents our distributor, a portion on this podcast that he wanted to talk about. So, Stephen, why don't you go ahead and kick us off with what uh, you want us to talk about and dissect today? Sure, yeah. Thank you all for tuning into this two-hour in-depth sales talk <laughs> that we're going to, uh, to go through. So, Nexus is extremely confusing, and there's a lot of really good information about it. Um, but just to start, I think it's important that we know like what it is we're talking about. So, Nexus is basically... a your form of presence in a state that would require you to comply with their sales tax laws or filing procedures. And going through this, it's what makes it really confusing is there's 46 different states that have their own ways to define what Nexus is, whether it's physical, economic, uh, there's affiliate base, there's employee base, there's third party dropship base and inventory, warehousing. It's like insane. Um, so figuring out like what what we do about this or if there's anything you can do about it, period. Um, I was trying to figure out, like listening to a bunch of bunch of info about this, you know, like it's it's so confusing. Even even like the the best professionals don't even really know like what it's, you know, what's going to happen long term when it comes to Nexus. And a lot of what kind of stirred the pot was the uh, the South Dakota versus Wayfair um, rulings. Do you, uh, 
you guys familiar at all with, what, with that at all? I think some of us are, uh, Stephen, but why don't you go and kind of give us the Cliff Notes version of that so for people who don't understand what that, because it's kind of a landmark decision, would really like you to explain that to, to both us and the audience. Sure. So South Dakota did not have um, anything in place for sales tax filing as it related to online sales. So Wayfair was basically operating in that territory under past precedence of the South Dakota ruling and it wasn't wasn't you know there was there was merchandise coming from outside state inside of the state and South Dakota was getting no piece of the pie essentially um, so there was a they basically challenged the <coughs> challenged the ruling and uh, South Dakota won uh, which allowed them to collect sales tax from online sales uh, that even that were coming from outside the state and into their state, and it was pretty. Um, it's it's pretty complicated in its own right because it's based on, like it's almost like a he said she said type of an argument. Like, well, the law was this back in, you know, this day, but now it's not, and you know the way we do sales is different now. So, essentially, it opened the door to having. Uh, each individual state, you know, be, to be able to clarify what they think they should be able to collect sales tax for, and it, it was yes, it was, it was more for online sales at the time, but it really expanded uh, the ability for all states to create their own rules on Nexus. Yeah. So that's that's really what what it opened the door to. Okay. Um, so that's that's in a nutshell what what it has what it's done and. You know, I, there was a really funny example. Um, I was listening to some interesting info on it, and it was talking about how the same item in different states are taxable or not taxable. So, like, you know, T-shirts in Texas are taxable. T-shirts in New wow. York, yeah, T-shirts in New York under like certain amounts of money and certain amount of volume are not taxable. Um, you know, things like I thought the, th- the funniest one was a, uh, a a whole bagel in New York is not taxable but as soon as you slice the bagel it's taxable because now it's it's like uh, a food prep item as opposed to a like a wholesale good versus a retail good right. so it's like it's so complicated to figure out how every state is defining it because every state has the ability to 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 choose what they think is the is the right way to do it so there's, there's a lot there's a lot so- there yeah. I was I was somewhat familiar with uh, the South Dakota versus Wayfair thing because uh, that was one of the things that we discovered or discussed uh, with Congress when we did LDW um, was basically the South Dakota Wayfair and all the different states having different tax codes and now municipalities are trying to jump in as well. So you've got counties and local governments also trying to get their cut. Um, so one of the things that we discussed was, hey, you know, we certainly are fine with, you know, the Supreme Court overruling the national Bella Bella Hess versus Illinois Department of Revenue uh, court case back in 67. Um, you know, totally fine with paying sales tax for out of state uh, transactions. But, you know, we need to figure out a way to make this, you know, a little bit more um, streamlined because, it's, it can get very, very nasty in a very short period of time. But based on some of the research that I did, it looked like, um, you know, even though they overturned that, uh, the Supreme Court overturned that 5-4 to four, uh, in South Dakota versus Wayfair in favor of South Dakota, it looks like, um, you know, obviously that's it, based on what I'm finding is that there's 200, it's for 200 transactions or more, 
uh, or a hundred thousand dollars of in-state sales tax, and apparently that's the only thing that can be um, that can be mandated. I know when we were discussing it at LDW, though, it sounded like there were not LDW lead. There was a lot of um, there was a lot of other you know states that were talking about oh, well, if you do ten thousand dollars or more or whatever. But based on this Supreme Court ruling, it looks like it's two hundred transactions or more or a hundred thousand dollars or more in in state sales tax. Interesting. What, yeah, now, so what the, did? Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I was just saying the the weird part about it is it was a Supreme Court ruling on a state decision. So there's there are every state has the ability to 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 define certain things different ways. So there's a couple things. There's the rate they can decide, the due dates they can decide, and they can also decide which definition of nexus will make it apply for their state uh, to make it taxable. So economic nexus was really what that one opened the door to. And there have since been 23 states that have put in place some sort of economic nexus. Um, so you don't actually have to have physical presence in the state, most of which um, of those 23 use the 200 transaction or $200,000 as their, as their baseline. Um, but the, the problem with the rule is nothing makes them makes that firm you know they can they can decide what they as a, on the state level what they want to have those you know levels be um so that's, that's where it gets crazy and they basically just change the definition of nexus per state like what who and when basically when it's when it's due who has to pay and on what amount so amazon's getting into a lot of issues because they they actually have some states that are using inventory as their level of right. nexus. So like I could just have a factory that's holding goods with no people and, you know, they just go pick up or, or something like that. So they're saying, well, we don't have a brick and mortar. Uh, but now the state's like, yeah, but you have you have inventory here. Right. So, and now they're required to pay taxes on that now. Correct. Right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Which yeah. takes time away because you have to you have to you're, you're on hook to file so it's a process it takes time and money to, to execute so then people are actually considering moving out of state that has this nexus law i guess right is that is that what we're seeing yeah so right now there's 46 that have that, that collect sales tax that have some definition of nexus so there's really not but only a few places you could go and i don't even, i'm not even sure which states those are oh wow um but yeah, it's it's going to be unavoidable, I think, at some point, and it's going to come like you know, like Jeff was saying, at a certain point, you're going to have, you know, some people that use the two hundred transactions, hundred thousand dollar mark, and some people may say, okay, no, it's only based on if you live here, um, but it's just knowing all the different variations, you know, which can, right. which, which is insane. Like, how would you how would you do that? Um, That'll handicap small business, and I think that was the next question. Yeah, yeah. So based on everything that I've looked up uh, prior to this podcast, was basically um, you know that Supreme Court decision back in '67. There's been a lot of like a lot of widespread state support and coalitions that have tried to overrule that that ruling and have failed multiple times, you know, time and time again. And the only reason, from what I'm seeing, is that it was you know overruled in the South Dakota case was because it it was not retroactive. And it was for merchants who only had considerable amount of business uh, was required to collect. So, you know, that's where the whole 200 orders or $100,000 in-state revenue uh, comes into play. So if, if this has to come down to a you know, Supreme Court ruling for each state, uh, I don't see the Supreme Court overruling that unless it's not going to cripple 
small business because obviously i mean that's one of the things they talked about was you know making sure that it's streamlined uh and they even say you know south dakota is one of the 20 states that have adopted the streamlined sales and use tax agreement uh mm-hmm. which basically provides standardization within the state uh and use tax statutes uh to reduce administrative and compliance costs because obviously with a small business you know trying to figure all that out it's going to cripple a cripple a small business it will it will now what kind of feedback were you guys getting from the legislators when you guys were at lead i'm curious were they no. just listening and smiling, or were they actually giving you guys feedback from that, like from their side of it? Or the only feedback I heard, and I'd love to hear Jeff chime in. I mean, I've already spoken so much on this episode; I'm kind of, dom- <laughs> kind of dominating it, so I kind of want to. You know, no, bring it's okay. It real- I'm I'm actually <clears throat> learning about this and more curious. That's why I'm asking, and no, I think this I'm is just... a great topic for the for our listeners. Yeah, I think you know. Uh, our, our legislators are just as confused as the rest of us. Mm. You know, if there's one thing I've learned in almost my 50 times around the sun is that government is really good at taking money. They're very <laughs> efficient uh, bill collector. And so I have a feeling that there will be some sort of national um, nationwide nexus that will cover this. Um, because the, the challenge is if, if you have different rules for different states, it does become... Um, impossible for a small business to manage and know the rules. And so what they're subjecting themselves to are penalties, and penalties usually come in the form of what? Dollars. And so um, I do, they're, they're as confused as we are. No one knows. It's kind of this uncharted territory that, that nobody can really explain and nobody can really define this is the path we need to go. Um, so, on, honestly, in my honest opinion, I think this paves the way for what is going to end up being a national sales tax. Yeah, it sounds like it because it needs to be consistent for people to to be able to articulate this. And, and I, I don't know. One more thing, right? Yeah, I think Jeff, when what, you, what was your feedback, Jeff? Did you ask your Jeff just because he was at uh, yeah, uh, lead? Yeah, so I was actually trying to find uh, so PPAI for at lead they give you this advocacy day app, and there's a lot of great documents and inf- information in there to use for your meetings. And I know one of the there was a couple bills that were I guess proposed already that are going through Congress that mm-hmm. sort of combated uh, South Dakota Wayfair. And really, I mean, everybody that that I spoke with was very much on par with uh, with you know what we were talking about and understanding sort of the. The issues behind something like that, if it were to go through, and you know every every state and municipality could charge different taxes, and how that you know certainly affects small business. So, you know, it was a lot of supportive uh, comment comments that we were getting, but at the same time, you know, they they want to know if there's something that's currently being proposed that they can get behind. Um, and there were, I think, two or three different bills that were already going through Congress. Uh, that were sort of helping to uh, either protect small business or to mandate some type of standardization. But I agree with Bill. I think it's going to lead to some type of streamline across the board. And maybe it is the the two hundred hundred thousand uh, dollar sort of uh, minimum bar. You know, I think that's obviously if the Supreme Court set the standard for that, then I I mean I think that's a fair place to go. And honestly, you, that is a considerable amount of business. I know. As a small business, the distributor that I used to work for, if we did, you know, one and a half million dollars in sales, we weren't really necessarily doing a hundred thousand dollars in any uh, huge out of state. It might be one or two states that we, you know, would have had to have done uh, some type of, uh, you know, out of state sales tax with. But uh, outside of that, I mean, most it wouldn't have really crippled small business to figure that out. You know, so I think that's so, fair. So what's the question? So let's answer. Let's try to answer a question. Um, what do we do about it? 
most of us work um, for smaller businesses. Meg, you're kind of the exception on this podcast. SNS is a pretty good sized company, um, especially in our industry. What what do we do about it? Let's start with you, Mr. McFadden. Oh boy. <laughs> have, having me solve a, a, a nationwide tax problem. Well, um, you know the answer is to go on Facebook and complain about it. Yeah. <laughs> hey, mean, hey, that's what that's what we talk about on Unscripted. We can't talk about that on this podcast. <laughs> you know, so we, it, it's it's real. You know, we're kind of learning in a very reactive way when it comes to stuff like this. And I and I hate to say like that's the best way to go about it, but you know, because like we've mentioned, you don't do it right, and there's penalties. But to try to understand our nationwide tax policy I think is also unreasonable um, you know so you know it's you, you know I think we need you need to be educated enough to know how your business is actually affected when it really comes into places to know like Jeff said is who are you doing the bulk of your business with where you think you may have some issues with that um, and and just look at you know then look into those state nexus policies and their 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 ability you know I remember five, six years ago, um, it was basically if you ship out of state and you bill out of state, they're non-tax. Like it yep. was pretty much end of story. Um, and then it was except California. And then it was except Texas. And There's was, always except California yeah. with exactly. every <laughs> single thing in yeah. the history of ever. And then right. you look at California and you wonder yep. why. <laughs> and then, you know, but even recently as of this year, you know, I've had, I've had several, several orders in in Texas and we're having the pieces decorated there, but we're built out of state or shipped out of state, but it falls under, uh, they, they always point to act. Well, it actually has to do with uh-huh. the, the South Dakota Wayfair ruling. And I'm like, yeah. well, how does that apply? And they're like, well, you know, check out this and this is what state state of Texas adapted. And so we're, we're learning along with everybody else when it applies because we're getting billed for it. Yeah. Um, right. So, well, and what's also uh, happening is that companies are going to, are, are, you know, I think one solution is they're starting to collect sales tax um, in places where they hadn't before, just in case uh, right. a state comes after them. So really where we see the biggest issue, and this is maybe the question we got to figure out internally, um, we're only like, you know, we're only licensed to file for a couple states. Yep. Um, so we met and, and, you know, the way sales tax has been presented is tax is a pass through. And mm-hmm. if we're not able to file though, for a state that we can't bill our customers for, it ends up not being a pass through. It ends up being something you, that, that hurts you, you know, so you have to figure that out ahead of time. Um, and that's where, that's where some research can go a long way. I think just knowing the biz- the states that you're doing business in and how to adapt to it is crucial. Uh, yeah. Meg, you got anything you want to add to that as we kind of start winding down this discussion? Yeah. Well, the only thing I'd like to add is that, you know, I know some people might say, well, oh, hey, Amazon doesn't pay federal tax, but at the end of the day, they did make $11 billion in profit. They did get a $129, I'm sorry, $129 million tax rebate from the federal government. But they're not, they're not not paying taxes. Okay, they're still, they had a $3.4 billion in tax expenses over the last three years, a $2.6 billion in corporate tax. So I think it just needs to be consistent. I think the Supreme Court needs to come down and just be like, it's going to be like this across the board. So it's affecting the same, well, and then I guess... It, Except California. Double-edged sword. Yeah, except California. <laughs> but, you know, a small business that might be bringing in $1.4 versus Amazon, who 
you know, made $11 billion in profits last year before taxes. So maybe on on a scale, like we said, if 100,000, 200,000, 300,000, then over a million, over a billion or whatever, but it has to be kind of consistent throughout the state so we can move forward. Awesome. Jeff, anything else you want to add? Yeah, I think you just email Bill at promocorner.com with all your concerns. I'm sure he has the answers for everything. <laughs> uh, no, actually, reach out to uh, – there was a lot of silence from Bill. It was Bill so silent. It was, it was like, so uh, silent. Bill's not going to reply. <laughs> so ultimately, I think you just uh, – you get in contact with Ann Stone at PPAI or Maurice Norris in your awesome government relations uh, department uh, at PPAI, and they can certainly help you uh, get in touch with your local legislators to make. Listen, the more noise you make, the squeaky wheel gets the grease, right? So the the more we're in front of Congress to discuss our issues, I think uh, is the best uh, best way to really approach the problem. And I know that they've probably already got a lot of uh, letters and documents already sort of pre-typed and written up that you can basically just sign your name to. And, uh, you know, essentially just send that off, you know, so it can be really quick, doesn't have to be a huge commitment on your end. I know during promotional products work week and uh, and lead, they were uh, sending those types of things out already that you could sign your name to. So I'm sure uh, they can get that information to you guys um, to basically just help advocate for, uh, you know, for your local congressmen and women. Awesome. Awesome. I think it was a great discussion. I think it's an important one. And um, I really like the fact that we're taking on some of these type of topics in the industry. So really good discussion. Yeah, I don't have a lot to add to it because you know what? I went to Texas A&M, which means I'm not very smart. <laughs> so, but I'll tell you who is smart. That'd be our good friends at Gold Star, as we talked about. They're well known in our industry as a great company, but they are the leader. And the, one of the reasons they're the leader in the promotional writing instrument category is because they have that choice. Over 300 different writing instruments that are in stock, and it's truly something for every client in every budget. Meg, Jeff, and Mr. McFadden, thank you guys so much for another great industry insider. And uh, we'll see you next week. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Promo Corner's Industry Insider. For more great content from industry thought leaders, including podcasts, blogs, and videos, visit promocorner.com.